It's time for the Newsmax Daily from Newsmax, America's fastest growing cable news channel. Now, now, here's your host, Rob Carson. One of the slogans for the show should uh, should be listen to the Rob Carson show to hear what Bill Maher is going to talk about in two years. And the reason being is that uh, he always kind of has these uh, come to Jesus moments. And uh, they usually happen a couple years after uh, I do it. You know, I'm going to share something here uh, that I think is very interesting. Um, yesterday, a uh, uh, listener quoted Voltaire and said, anyone who can make you believe absurdities can make you commit atrocities. And today I had a little bit of a similar insight coming from the author of Harry Potter, J.K. Rowling, that involves the word dissent. You know how I say dissent is not disinformation? I came up with that a few years ago. When the mainstream media, big social media, and the Democrat Party said that what you believe, if you are conservative, whether you think it's Russia did not collude with Donald Trump like I did, or that the Hunter laptop was real, and I knew it was, but they shouted at me and you for believing that, and they said that that was disinformation. And I said, no, that was dissent. It was dissent. There's a difference. Oh, and by the way, the word disinformation. I want you to think about that. Just put it in the back of your mind. And I'm going to tell you where I think that word made a comeback. And the person who did it. I'll explain that in a few. Bill Maher, Piers Morgan. They uh, shredded what they describe as victim culture. Now, I've been talking about this for a while. Because I said of Black Lives Matter, of Antifa, of these uh, college snowflakes that want to chase Ben Shapiro and others off campus or Alan West off campus and the ones who say that words are weapons and the ones that say words are, you know, that, that Trump supporters are white supremacists and all this, uh, they have created a new movement and it is uh, because they want to claim victimhood. For instance, the Black Lives Matter movement is based on a lie. It's based on a lie that police are wholesale killing black men innocently on streets when it does happen of course uh, they should be uh, punished to the ex- furthest extent of the law but the narrative is false and it was built on a lie that uh, George Zimmerman murdered Trayvon Martin he didn't he was defending himself while he was having his head pounded against the sidewalk that said uh, they're acting like it's 1968 all over again well you see I've been alive since 1968 and um, I don't remember 1968 because I was three but in my lifetime, um, it has not, never been like 1968. It has never been like 1863 at all. But there are a group of people who want to have this victimhood like they're put upon because they need to have some sort of self-worth, some sort of uh, cred with regard to life experience and difficulty. Maybe this is why Joe Biden makes up all this crap about his past. Like his dad talking about, how are we going to afford gas? The gas price went up. Well, when he went as a child, like in the early 50s, late 40s, uh, gas price was static. Gas price when I was growing up was never an issue because it was always static. In the 1970s, always static. Very rarely. Started to freak out a little bit when Jimmy Carter was a president because, you know, OPEC. But that said, there's a group of people that need to claim victimhood. And Bill Maher had a pretty interesting conversation with Piers Morgan. Here is uh, Piers Morgan and uh, Bill Maher talking about uh, the Snowflake Generation. Can't you just see by the film stock that things were very different? We're talking about uh, Gone with the Wind. Humans are like history in general. We evolve. Just celebrate we're not 
racist also, anymore if you have and just a, be a grown-up. If you have to have a warning. No, 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 no. Racism is worse than it's ever been before. It is the worst. It's a warning no, it's about just, a comedy film. Where, well, it's not a comedy. No, no, I'm not talking about. Gone with I'm the talking wind. about a uh, a trigger warning before Gone with the Wind. Wait, I'm talking about just generally. You know, warnings on comedy films where a joke is said, which is clearly a joke, not intended to be. But you see, uh, humor now is under scrutiny. That's why people uh, tried to get uh, Dave Chappelle banned. Remotely offensive. That's why uh, conservative any comedians really don't want to play college campuses anymore. Anybody, right? And even that now needs a warning at the front in case anybody's offended. What do they think is going to happen when you watch it? What happens to oh, people? I mean, the fact they sit that they're shaking. I the mean, the fact that this generation needs a trigger warning oh, and a clonopin to pathetic. get through an episode of Phil, Friends. It's pathetic. It's yeah. It is pathetic. Those of you, and I don't think there are any of you. Maybe if you stumbled across the show by accident while you were looking for NPR. But I, I know most of you don't feel this way. But if you do, if you do feel triggered by things, if you do feel you need a warning before a movie, um, you're really sad and pathetic. Pathetic. It's We've become a, a, a world, uh, and I've talked about this a lot, a world where it is now a premium to be a victim. Amen! Said it a couple of years ago. It is celebrated to be weak. You see that great sporting athletes are now making more money and becoming more acclaimed if they quit than if they win. Colin Kaepernick, by the way. And nobody's going to touch him, by the way. And it's not because of his athletic ability. It's because they don't want the hassle. That's why the NFL does not want Colin Kaepernick back in the league. A, he's not really that great a quarterback, and he's been not playing for six years. And B, they really don't want the hassle. You know, a lot of times people will not hire people who are high maintenance. Okay, uh, there are people. You know, I, I, I don't. I, I like to consider myself low maintenance, but you know, um, but but the people who are high maintenance, people are just going to go. Hey, no, no, really? What high maintenance? You know, you can look at a lot of other faults in people, but if you hire somebody, you you look at things like are they really high maintenance as a manager? And uh, Colin Kaepernick is that. Now this is pretty funny. There are a couple of things going on around the country with regard to conservative candidates. Instead of trying to steal the election like they did in 2020 with stuffed ballot boxes and uh, unmanned ballot boxes and shutting down the vote counting on the night of November the 3rd and reopening the next morning with 95 to 100% of the ballots coming in by the millions in favor of Joe Biden, what they're trying to do is just have people removed from the ticket altogether. And they're saying that uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene should be removed from the ballot in Georgia, even though she's way out in front of everybody. But they're saying that she helped to uh, cause a riot in uh, Washington, D.C. on January the 6th. Now, there was no riot in Washington, D.C. on January the 6th. There was a peaceful protest on, uh, on the, the mall on January the 6th that moved slowly to the Capitol and was infiltrated by 14 left-leaning radical groups, according to Newsweek. And then my, many of these people were let in by Capitol Police. Let them in. Even doors that are magnetically closed inside. Opened up. Let them in. Take some pictures. Yeah. Well, there is a, a group called Free Speech for the People. And uh, the chairman of it is Ben Clements. And he is all about free speech for the people. But he thinks that Marjorie Taylor Greene should not be on the ballot to run for Congress again because... She exercised free speech. 
And she specifically called uh, that day, January 6th, as being their 1776 moment, which was well understood uh, amongst followers. No, it was uh, it was comprehended by you differently. Uh, of um, Marjorie Taylor Greene to be a call for exactly what 1776 was, which was a revolution using violence. And this now the, the only problem is that nobody brought guns. There was that. This that whole, you know, what you've just said. Generally, I guess would require lots of guns. Case not a revolution against a foreign government, but an insurrection against our own government. You know what I think? Here's what I think. I think that people like this guy and Nancy Pelosi have insurrectile dysfunction. Every time that January 6th comes up, they can't perform. For instance, uh, yesterday we found out that the Capitol was evacuated because the Golden Knights parachute team that took off from Andrews Air Force Base flew over a baseball game, and the, uh, the, the Capitol Police and Nancy Pelosi, they cleared out the entire Capitol. And then Nancy Pelosi says people were still scared of January the 6th. So I think that they have insurrectile dysfunction, meaning that they're so terrified of what January 6th wasn't that they weren't able to perform. And just to the guys out there who have that other kind of dysfunction, didn't mean to make you feel bad. Nothing about that. Exactly what the Constitution says you are disqualified if you participate in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, in 1776, it meant to everyone that there should be a violent insurrection. So whatever you do, don't bring your weapons. His argument is specious. Specious at best. Here's a little bit more of Ben Clements, the guy who uh, who is uh, the chairman of Free Speech for the People, who... Uh, once, uh, you know, MTG kicked off the ballot because she spoke freely. Uh, it, it certainly is, and it's a rare remedy. It's one that the Constitution only provides in the case. I mean, he's talking about kicking her off the ballot. Of an official who's taken an oath to defend the Constitution, who thereafter engages in insurrection. And so this is... Well, and, and by the way, the, even the FBI said it wasn't an insurrection there, uh, there you go, Ben. You, you know, you might want to have that looked at. It's not. Uh, you have insurrectile dysfunction. About um, the political choice. Think about your mom or ice cream, something else, but it'll go away. Whether uh, to vote her in baseball or out. This is about the Constitution disqualifying her. And our clients, the voters who brought this challenge, are seeking to enforce that provision of the Constitution, Section 3 of the 14th Amendment. Uh, and uphold our constitutional democracy. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think about all the people who uh, swore to uphold the Constitution and then open our southern border. You know, just stuff like that. Just hold, protect, and defend the Constitution, then whiz all over it. And then, you know, we've got a Supreme Court justice who's going to put her hand on the Bible or maybe that book Lawn Boy or whatever in the, the school system they're trying to get rid of. And she'll put her hand on it. She'll, she'll swear to uphold the Constitution, even though she's a massive supporter of the 1619 Project and a massive supporter of CRT, which means that she hates the founding. But other than that, yeah, other than that, uh, I'm going to get into the uh, dissent and disinformation talk uh as the monologue for the next hour because i think it's something i need to i need to explain and and i think you're going to find it very effective in your arsenal against those who would shut down free speech so i months ago year two years ago said that uh, dissent is not disinformation because the the word disinformation came out of nowhere 
And we heard the same people saying it. And that was the mainstream media, big social media, and the Democrat Party. And it all kind of started with the narrative that Donald Trump colluded with Russia. And immediately, if we disagreed with that, we said that it didn't happen, we were told that we were spreading disinformation. I was like, disinformation? What the hell? Disinformation? First of all, on the face of it, how can anyone really decide what disinformation is? I mean, there's, there's being false and there's being correct. Falsehood and correctness are based on facts. Disinformation, something different. Disinformation is a label. It's a label that they're using to shut down dissent. And that's what I said. And then I did a little research and I discovered that Joseph Stalin in 1923 wanted a Western-sounding word for being able to shut down dissent. He even created a department in his government to do that. And the word was disinformatia. That's what it was. And I went, huh, that's kind of weird. What the hell is talking about disinformation? Disinformation. And then I see this headline today. Former President Barack Obama is now warning the American people about the dangers of uh, disinformation that it poses to the nation's democracy. And then I thought, well, no kidding. <laughs> Barack Obama's a leftist. I mean, he started his political career in Bill Ayers and Bernadine Dorn's uh, parlor in Chicago. They're radical weather underground uh, terrorists. And Barack Obama, this is, this is what he does. He said, oh, you know, you, you, he, and he does this, he does this intentionally. He's like saying, you know, remember that interview uh, about a year or a year or two ago? And he said, you know, uh, I don't really want to be the president. What I'd like to do is just pull the strength and have somebody do the talking for me, but I'd still be in charge. And, and you could tell that he was doing that with a wink and a nod to the leftist media. And I believe that's what he's doing by saying that disinformation, it poses a threat to the democracy of the country. He's the guy who sowed the seed. I'll bet you anything this student of Marx, this student of Lenin, coined that term quite deliberately, quite deliberately. And, and he did it with the arrogance and the hubris of someone who knows that nobody in the media would dare to look into that word and discover its true origins. They just use it, rub your face in it. It's like one of those indignities they like to suffer on you. But I figured it out. I went, huh, disinformation, that sounds weird. Why is that calling things disinformation? That's subjective. What the, that, they're just going to call what I say disinformation to shut me down? And then uh, big, you know, big social media, they'd say, what you're saying is disinformation. They'd take you down. They'd take your clips. They'd shadow ban you. The whole deal. And I went, huh, something clicked. Something clicked. And then I saw this today. J.K. Rowling compares transgender wokeism to the Soviet Union. Yeah. She quotes an anti-communist hero. Listen to this. Harry Potter, author J.K. Rowling, has compared the current climate of fear surrounding the discussion of transgender issues to the Soviet Union, quoting an anti-communist hero and leader of the Velvet Revolution. Quote, a specter is haunting Eastern Europe. The specter of what is the West is called dissent. The specter of what in the West is called dissent. 
These words were penned by playwright and Czechoslovakian president Václav Havel in 1978 in the essay, The Power of the Powerless, to describe the brutal drive for conformity in all things enforced by the communist Soviet Union in his homeland and elsewhere across the Soviet bloc. Now it seems Havel's words are being once again used by dissenters. But this time against the modern woke push for conformity in the ostensibly liberal West. You have to think this way. You have to be uniform. You have to conform. Otherwise, your dissent is disinformation. That's how we shut it down. J.K. Rowling shared Havel's parable of a green grocer who hung up the Marxist creed, workers of the world unite in his shop window in order to passively conform with the groupthink of the Soviet Union. That way he could get the government off his back. So he puts workers of the world unite out front as a perception to give them the perception that they are slavishly following everything that the Soviet Union espoused. Quoting from The Power of the Powerless, Rowling went on to post, quote, ideology and it is a specious way of relating to the world. It offers human beings the illusion of identity, of dignity, and of morality while making it easier for them to part with them. It enables people to deceive their conscience and conceal their true position and their inglorious modus vivendi, vivendi, both from the world and from themselves. Individuals need not believe all of these mystifications, but they must behave as though they did. This means that even if you disagree with transgenderism being taught to your preschooler, don't you dare say it out loud. Don't say it out loud. Just keep it inside and learn how to hide your feelings. Different song. Anyway, or they must at least tolerate them in silence or get along well with those who work with them. Now, why would you do that? Well, you do it to keep your job. You do it to uh, be able to sell books. You do it to keep from getting canceled. You may disagree, but you don't dare speak out. Because if you do, they're going to call it disinformation. Back to the quote. For this reason, however, they must live within a lie. They need not accept the lie. It is enough for them to have accepted their life with it and in it. For instance, and this is to some degree not necessarily a choice, but wearing masks. Many of us always thought they were bullcrap, and we were right. But you had to suck it up. You had to not make a a fuss. You had to follow the rules, and if you pitched a fit, you got tossed from the airplane. If you said that January 6th was an inside job, if you said that January 6th really wasn't the riot that everyone said it was, you had to say so in silence. Because if you're a broadcaster, you better not say that on the air. Oh, don't say that on the air. I heard this time and time again. Why do you think that the narrative was shut down so quickly? Why do you suppose, and I'm not talking about any specific voting machine company, but why do you suppose all, all possible questioning of the integrity of a company that counts votes, why did it fall silent? Because there were a couple billion dollar lawsuits threatened. You know, 
Why did some of the leaders of the uh, the people who originally uh, said that the election was fraudulent, why did they shut up all of a sudden? They were threatened. They were threatened with their livelihoods, their legal licenses, their ability to perform, their ability to broadcast. Maybe that's one of the reasons why you listen to my show and I hear from people to say all the time, you say what I want to say. We should not live in that country. You should be able to say what you want to say. As long as it is, is not something violent to threaten someone. Despite still maintaining to be on the left politically, J.K. Rowling has expressed credulity over terms such as people who menstruate and has warned that biological women will lose some of their hard-won rights should transgenderism dismantle the idea of being a woman. But if you are a woman, you can't speak out. You can't. Literally, there are hundreds of women who compete in the NCAA in swimming, and only one has spoken out against a man competing against them. Disinformation can ruin your life. Several Harry Potter actors even whitewashed J.K. Rowling from the 20th Century program celebrating the films based on her book series. They didn't even invite her because she says that uh, people don't menstruate, women do. It is worth noting that Rowling has not faced the same level of persecution that befell Václav Havel under the yoke of the Soviet regime, at least for now. Havel was arrested by the regime and spent four years in prison for his thought crimes, for his dissent. The power of the powerless was not as easy for the Soviet state to imprison, and it would go on to become a chief rallying cry for the anti-communist movement throughout Eastern Europe. And it took me to tell you about this today. You see, back in 1978, I was in elementary school. I remember Václav Havel as the president of Czechoslovakia. I didn't remember his journey there and what he went through. Dissent is not disinformation. Dissent will set you free. In Milwaukee, this is great. The kids had freedom for a day. Milwaukee Public Schools, the kids had freedom, glorious freedom, unencumbered breathing, being able to tell who your classmates are, see what your teacher looks like, go, holy crap, I've been in, uh, I'm in a second grader, I was in kindergarten when this started, I'm just meeting my friends for the very first time, weird, well, uh, Milwaukee Public Schools reinstated their mask mandate yesterday, <laughs> this is following a COVID spike in Wisconsin, a near 50% among the district's staff members. Okay, now realizing, of course, that children rarely get sick from it, but apparently there were wastewater samples from Milwaukee that showed a major increase in infection rates. I guess that's how they're testing it. Anyway, one parent asked if the shift was some kind of a joke. Another called the district's move an arrogant power grab. Becky Ingle wrote that she would like to know who the Karen is who did this because uh, she was livid. She was livid. Those poor kids should really have a choice whether or not to wear those masks or not. Yeah, and I agree. I'm calling tomorrow and voicing my opinion. They will not like what I have to say. This is ridiculous, and there's zero science to back this up. And that person is right. You know what else science didn't back up? Standing six feet apart from somebody. Yeah, the social distancing thing, that was a a giant pile of you-know-what. That was a giant... You know what that was? That was uh, almost like uh, this. Crap touch. 
That's something that I uh, coined. Uh, the crap touch is anything that Joe Biden touches that's gold turns to crap. But uh, the COVID policy turned flying on airplanes. Crap touch. It turned uh, sitting in schools for your kids with their friends and everything into... And, of course, the bureaucrats and the control mongers and the little uh, dictators, uh, COVID dictators around the country are going to fight it with all, their, uh, with all their might. With all their might. I was going to talk about this doofus named Roland Martin, who double-masked wore an N95. And, and oh, he had these uh, glasses that you wear normally when you're using a, uh, a table saw in your garage. You know, those big, wide glasses. He wore them on a plane. He's a talk show host. He actually literally took a picture of himself wearing goggles, double masks, and earphones. Big old earphones because somebody might sneeze in his ear. And he was on a flight from Nashville to D.C. And he took a picture of himself. And he's so separated from reality and masculinity and humanity that he posted this idiotic picture of himself on a flight and thought it would be like normal. He said, y'all can kiss my ass about me not wanting it again. And any fool saying they don't matter is a damn liar. Ben Shapiro uh, responded to a tweet saying, you, sir, are a hero. <laughs> he was saying that, of course, tongue-in-cheek. Listen, folks, the COVID situation is far from over. With 70% of Americans receiving the jab, it's not surprising that 70% of blood stored for hospital use is COVID-vaccinated blood. If you didn't receive your vaccination, maybe because of a medical exemption, a religious exemption, or maybe you just don't like to be unconstitutionally forced into a vaccination... What do you do next to protect yourself? You'll want to write this down now. ExemptAlert.com. These are emergency health alert bracelets that say do not administer COVID vaccinated blood. I want to say this again because I know I'm blowing some of your minds right now. Emergency health alert bracelets that say do not administer COVID vaccinated blood. Again, it's ExemptAlert.com. Since Joe Biden has committed uh, money to Ukraine... Uh, after doing these preventative sanctions that didn't prevent anything, and after leading from behind with regard to uh, Ukraine and uh, not you know, giving them the aircraft that they need, which we wouldn't be giving them, Poland would be given to them. Why is it that um, uh, cities are still falling and uh, it seems like things have gotten maybe a little bit worse in Ukraine? And um, it makes me just wonder... That we're sending billions of dollars to the third most corrupt country in the world. Billions of dollars. And, and Joe Biden's saying, oh, yeah, it's for uh, howitzers and it's for whatever. And Joe Biden's son got millions of dollars from a, an oil company in Ukraine. And it just kind of makes me wonder if all that money's going to weapons. You know what I mean? I, there's been a lot of uh, uh, canonizing the current president of Ukraine, and, and he appears to be a very brave man. Okay, I get it. You're also sending billions of dollars to uh, an otherwise incredibly corrupt country. I, I don't know. I just I, I throw it out there. I mean, this is just coming from a country like, for instance, the United States, and you're thinking it's incorruptible and all that stuff, and then then we find out that the president of the United States, uh, you know, he's decided to release money, uh, oil from the strategic oil reserve, right? Decided to do that to ostensibly lower the price of gasoline for you and me because it's going to, you know, more oil will be here in our country and we could just send it to the refineries and all that. But um, apparently, a good deal of it's being sent overseas. Oil that was bought for like $30 a barrel is now $100 a barrel and they're putting it in tankers and they're sending it overseas to Europe. 
to help them out. Here's Steve Bannon talking about that. They're taking the oil and sending it over to Europe. So, in other words, and this is what Harlan said, even if they come off the Russian gas, they're getting bribed that you're going to underwrite. My whole point in this whole thing is you're being played for a sucker, the American people, a sucker. You're a sucker in this. The third most corrupt country on the face of the earth is Ukraine, and where is MSNBC and Fox? Where are the pictures of those oligarchs? Where is their money? Where is their yachts? Where is their real estate in Chelsea? Strip it all today. Strip it all. And have them. They're going after Russian oligarchs. They're taking their yachts, but there are plenty of them in Ukraine. Start paying for stuff. Have them start paying before the American taxpayer pays. All the Zelensky fanboys, he knows where all the cash is. How come he's not up there every day saying, hey, instead of saying, where's my planes? Where's my arms? Where's my Iron Dome? Where is uh, the no fly zone? Where's everything that's going to get you into a shooting war with the Russians? Why is he not marching, perp walking? These oligarchs do this, stole all the money that went in there in the third or fourth most corrupt country in the world. And look at the world's map. That's saying something, ain't it? Yeah, it is saying something. Yeah. Kind of interesting, right? Kind of interesting. I'm just saying we're sending a whole lot of money to an otherwise uh, absolutely corrupt country that is, and I'm not taking away from the fact that Russia is invading and there are a lot of people suffering. But I kind of want to see the list. How many howitzers do we get for the billion? I just want to see that real quick. Can I see that itemized list, please? I want to see what we're paying for. Just saying. Just saying. So there was this conference in uh, Chicago called the uh, Disinformation Congress. It had a conference. It had a bunch of liberal uh, journalists uh, and talking heads like Brian Stelter. Uh, and uh, students came to the University of Chicago to uh, ask questions. And one of these students was a gentleman named Daniel Schmidt. And he talked to and he asked a question of Ann Applebaum of The Atlantic, a profoundly left of center publication. Here is the exchange. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you for doing this. Really appreciate it. I'm Daniel Schmidt. I'm a freshman at the University of Chicago. My question is for Ms. Applebaum. Um, so in 2020, you wrote, those who live outside the Fox News bubble do not, of course, need to learn any of the stuff about Hunter Biden, referring to his laptop, of course. Uh, a poll later after that found that if voters knew about the content of the laptop, 16% of Joe Biden voters would have acted differently. Now, of course, we know a few weeks ago, the New York Times confirmed that the content is real. Do you think the media acted inappropriately when they instantly dismissed uh, Hunter Biden's laptop as Russian disinformation? And what can we learn from that in ensuring that what we label as disinformation is truly disinformation and not reality? I'm, Which is dissent, but go ahead. I, my problem with Hunter Biden's laptop is I think totally irrelevant. I mean, it's not whether it's disinformation or, I mean, I don't think the Hunter Biden's um, business relationships have anything to do with who should be president of the United States. So I didn't find, I don't find it to be interesting. Oh, wow. What a, what a, what a Pisha moment. Oh, I didn't find it to be interesting. I didn't find it to be interesting. And God knows, I mean, journalism is only for the elite who find things interesting. Otherwise, I don't even bother to investigate them. Daniel Schmidt is the freshman in college who asked that question, and he is on the Newsmax hotline. Hello, my friend, and welcome to the Rob Carson Show. How are you today? Hey, thanks for having me. I'm good. How are you? Uh, I am very good. I realize that I'm quite a bit older than you, but I think I can call you dude. Uh, and I could say, dude, that was a great question. So you go into this disinformation conference. It's, it's literally called the disinformation conference. When you, when you went in there, I mean, you, you had kind of an idea what you wanted to ask. 
Did you get what you expected? Right. Well, you know, as you said, this conference on this information had, ironically, some of the greatest purveyors of this information. It had Brian Stelter of CNN there, and had Ann Applebaum, and President Obama. So, you know, I figured I'm going to use this opportunity to ask, you know, somewhat of a critical question. It wasn't too hard. You know, she could have just admitted that the media made a mistake, and going forward, we're going to do a better job. But, you know, as, as your listeners can hear, she gave the most arrogant, elitist answer one could possibly ever give, which is, oh, I don't care, and that's my answer, and voters should know about it. I mean, it's so ridiculous. You wonder why people have so much contempt for the mainstream media. It's because of people like Ann Applebaum. Her answer, her showing no care to fix the wrongs of people like her and just to totally just have no care about what people think about the media. I mean, it's, just, it's, it's disgusting, but it's so telling of where we are currently. Now, she literally said that I just didn't find it interesting. This is a blockbuster story. And if you say just because, it's like saying that, you know, the only person who was responsible for this is uh, President Biden and nobody else he worked with had anything to do with whatever. Of course, this has to do with your circle of friends. Of course, this has to do with your family. It's utterly, utterly ridiculous to say otherwise. So what what kind of reaction did you get from people after your question? And then there was another question was asked of uh, Brian Stelter as well. Both of you young students uh, essentially went viral for that. What kind of reaction did you get after you got her answer and the video went viral? Yeah, so funnily enough, at the very end of the conference, because this event was co-sponsored by The Atlantic, at the very end, the editor-in-chief, Jeffrey Goldberg, he said, ironically, our conference has been the subject of a disinformation campaign on social media. Now, he didn't name us, but I'm, I'm assuming he was referring to my video and my friend's video because our videos went viral. So he was basically suggesting that Two college kids asking people questions is disinformation. So that's one response we got. And then the second response, which I think is the greatest, you know, cherry on top, is Ann Applebaum actually blocked uh, the publication I write for on Twitter. I write for a college publication called The Chicago Thinker. She blocked us on Twitter. So that's her response to all of this is, I don't want to hear anything from you college kids. I'm going to block you guys on Twitter. And then the editor-in-chief of The Atlantic said we're spreading disinformation. So those are the two responses, the two biggest responses we've gotten from the left. Now, from the right, of course, praise, you know, uh, you know a lot of attention, which we really enjoy, because we think this is very important. College kids should, should be speaking up, should be asking questions like this, because we get a lot of opportunities. And these elite journalists, they usually go to these events expecting no resistance, expecting yeah. people to just sort of worship them. So I think I'm really glad that hopefully in the future more college kids can ask us some questions. Now, uh, Daniel, uh, this, it was called the Misinformation Conference. Is that what it was called? It was called the Disinformation Conference and the Erosion of Democracy. Yeah, I would assume you wrote down disinformation. Did you realize that was coined originally by Joseph Stalin in 1923? No, I actually didn't know that. That's crazy. Listen, write write this down. Did you also realize that former President Barack Obama is now warning the American people about the danger of disinformation and what it poses to the nation's democracy? So there's a, I'll be for your instructor for a second, do some digging on disinformatia and the department created by Joseph Stalin, and then you'll kind of realize where this came from. It, it utterly is, it is classic Marxist thinking, Daniel. And also another thing, you may recall a few months ago, uh, Joe Biden talked about the election and he said, it's not about who votes, it's who counts the votes. Also a Stalin quote. That aside, um, mm. why did you get into journalism? 
Um, well, I think a lot of young people are, you know, there's not many young people who are asking questions that they need to be asked. And not just young people, people I think, you know, who are professional journalists, they're not asking very basic questions. You know, I'll be watching the White House press room and I'll see people totally avoiding what I think are the most basic questions. There maybe are a handful of reporters who are still good, but I think nowadays, like, legitimate journalism is so lacking, it has been replaced by this totally just fake, you know, uh, worshipping of the elites, you know, and, you know, people like Ann Applebaum, they claim they're objective journalists when they're anything but. I mean, I think it's a disgrace, and I think there needs to be a return to legitimately fair and tough and objective journalism. So that's, that's why I'm into it, and I hope if I can just contribute to that a little bit, I'll be, I'll be pleased. It's odd for me to, to do this because I was always the kid. I was always the guy. I was the first guy on the radio in my college freshman class. And now I'm, I'm looking at another generation of people, and I'm seeing people like you, and I'm going, damn, good, good, good. Let me ask you, how did you get – I'm not – I don't know, maybe you are conservative. I don't care. Uh, but what in your upbringing made you not just be a sheep, uh, a Democrat sheep like they pr- presumably are most students at the University of Chicago? Yeah, good, good, very good question. Um, I think it's I think it's a few things. I think I've had very great family, and my mom has been conservative, hardest working person I know, has really just instilled in me tons of values of working hard, of you know not blaming the system, but really focusing on your own faults. I think that's been really integral. I think religion. I've been Catholic for my whole life. I think that has really just played a part. Realizing that there are objective truths that one should care about, that one should not just. Know, not 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 care about the world, but there should be legitimately things you should fight for and preserve. And then you know, I've always I don't know, I've always been curious. I've always been very interested in researching things, and I think any curious person can eventually stumble upon the truth. And you know, I think if anyone just has, if anyone has enough time, and now they're making it harder with Google censoring tons of results, but I think if anyone has enough time, they can find the truth. I think what we're seeing now are people are just lazy, and they just you know they'll open up their news app and they'll read the first headline from CNN and they'll say, well, I guess that's the truth. And I think people need to be more curious and do a lot more research, a lot more investigation, and that's something I've always been interested in. Do you get a lot of uh, blowback from other students and from faculty in the journalism school? Um, you know, to, to an extent. I think a lot of kids, though, are kind of like, they, they respect what I do because it shows a lot of confidence. It shows a lot of you know, willingness. So I think a lot of people are kind of backing off and talking crap about me because they're scared. But I definitely hear things behind my back. But you know, I don't care. I do this. I, yes. I believe in it. I love it. I, you know, I don't care about it, frankly. Um, were you a Rush baby at all? Were you influenced by conservative media? Um, yes, I, I'm a big Tucker Carlson fan. I don't know if that's yes. on the same level of Rush. I've, I've actually read Drudge Report for quite a few years. Now it's not as good. I don't really go there. No, 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 no. Um, it's left of center, dude. Yes, it's, I, I go to Revolver News now. It's kind of like oh, yes. Drudge Report. Um, yep. Yeah, no, I've, I've been really interested in politics. 2016 election. I know I'm still a kid, so saying that doesn't say much, but ever since Trump ran for office, I've been very interested. I think Trump really brought in like the average person's perspective and just the way he spoke. He wasn't this sort of sophisticated, Ivy League educated guy. He was a normal person. The way he spoke, that really drew my attention. And yeah, Rush Limbaugh, I mean, of course, I listen to him. Can't say I listen to him for that long, obviously, because I'm young, but of course, people like him, really, really huge influences, of course. Can I, can I make a, a suggestion to you? Uh, there's a there's this guy on the radio. His name's Rob Carson, and he does a nationally syndicated program. And it just started about six months ago. Uh, you might want to check that guy out. He's pretty amazing. <laughs> <laughs> we'll definitely we'll definitely do. We'll definitely do. Thank you for that. Yes. Hey Daniel, Daniel, I, I got to tell you, I I, uh, I wish you the best, my friend, because you're doing a lot. And uh, you know, I went to I went to Northwest Missouri State University. I lived in Columbia, Missouri, the vaunted J School there, which I saw essentially 
uh, be reduced to ashes by the left. Um, and, and I don't care, honestly, Daniel, whether you report conservatively or, or liberally. All I care about is you report the truth. And I would assume that means a lot to you to report the truth and to not have your truth called disinformation. <laughs> yes. Completely agree. Completely agree. Thank you. All right. Well, Daniel, I uh, I appreciate you. I saw your headlines. I'm just looking up the, the ChicagoThinker.com. I am all over it, bud. And there's this one. The Chicago Thinker staged a media regime takedown this week. Here's how we did it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> yeah. You did it, my friend. You and Christopher Phillips. Wasn't it Christopher Thank Phillips, you. the guy who went after uh, Brian yes, Stelter? Yes, yes Guys, my best friend. The great guy. I'm going to tell you, for somebody who's been in the business for a while, and, and oddly enough, I'm a, a, a relatively new voice to talk radio nationally, but what you did, I think, was really great. I think it was something that needed to be done, and it gave a lot of people who are otherwise very concerned about the, the lemmings in a J school, it just meant a lot to see a Gen Zer like you, and I've got two Gen Zers for kids, stand up for truth and ask the tough questions, even though they, they gave you BS answers. I think it's tremendous, and I thank you for that. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Newsmax Daily with Rob Carson. Check your cable guide or NewsmaxTV.com. Or watch free on YouTube, Roku, Apple, Pluto, Zumo, Amazon Fire, and your smart TV. Newsmax, America's fastest-growing cable news channel. Check NewsmaxTV.com for details.